Mayo, where do you keep your dock on your Mac? The bottom, left, right? Where it should be, at the bottom. Exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. Do you keep it on the hide or the auto hide setting? Or the, the show or the, the yeah, auto the hide show setting? setting? Yeah, no hide no hiding's going on here. Yeah. It takes it takes up space, but hiding's for crazy people. What about magnification? Uh, I okay. I'll admit for a while I had magnification on. Yeah. More recently I've become a refined adult and I turn it <laughs> off. But So we're in the same boat in every way. I am bottom dock, no hiding, and no magnif- magnification. Bottom dock always makes the most sense because it's like vertical. You know, you yeah. do windows, you want to launch something new, you go to the bottom, you tap on it, you go back up to the top, you go back down. In addition, if you do have multiple displays, generally your left and right are then taken up. Like your left and right screen edges are then um, required for moving to between moving between displays, right? So you have the menu bar at the top, you put the dock at the bottom, and if you've got multiple displays, then you can move your cursor left and right to... Navigate. It's not even just multiple displays nowadays because for me it's like universal control is always mm-hmm. on the right side, and for some people stage managers on the left side. It's kind of like Apple is, um, Apple almost wants you to put it on the bottom, which I think that they do. But the reason I ask you this is because Zach posted about how the right dock position is the best dock position on the Mac on Threads, and he got a response from Phil Schiller. He also prefers the dock on the right side, which. I found surprising, but I guess Zach is vindicated because Phil Schiller agrees with him. Yeah, although Phil Schiller doesn't really work at Apple anymore, so maybe his That's opinion. True. Do we is really care relevant. about what Phil Schiller thinks yeah. anymore? What a mere Apple fellow believes. I will say that uh, that, that is quite funny. That his follow-up about which Macs he used kind of invalidates, I think, his user habits because he says he uses a MacBook Pro 14-inch, a MacBook Pro 16-inch, a MacBook Air 15-inch, a Mac Studio and a purple iMac. And he says he uses all of those daily. He uses all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't think he's a representation of the common man in this situation. That is fair. That is fair. And he says he uses his iPad Pro a ton for reviewing photos, watching TV, playing games, and reading news. So the iPad for Phil Schiller is a consumption device. Well, with that, we agree. Can't get real work done on an iPad. No, I go. don't. That's I don't agree with that, but... <laughs> I might agree with that. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> Phil Schiller is holding up the Apple representation on threads because uh, they yeah. still haven't really done an official account of any like posting. They have some accounts, just placeholders, but they don't really participate. And Tim Cook is still active on Twitter. Even though Apple's not advertising on Twitter, it's almost like they're just using Tim Cook's account to advertise, but that's we don't need to get into that. Yeah, they post on all their accounts on Twitter, really, apart from the Apple account, which they never posted on. They just don't do promoted tweets anymore on the currently indefinite pause, quote-unquote. Yeah, still just a pause. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Ming-Chi Kuo this week has some rumors about upcoming iPhone camera hardware changes. So for the iPhone 16 later this year, he says we'll get a 48-megapixel ultra-wide sensor up from the current 12-megapixel sensor. And he says the iPhone 17 next year will get a upgraded front camera. Yeah, to 24. Which is 24 megapixels, yeah. And the front camera on the iPhone has been 12 megapixels since the iPhone 11. They added autofocus with the iPhone 14. And I think they improved the aperture at one point. But otherwise... That might been... be in the 11 when they let you zoom out and you get the That's wide right, angle yeah. option. Yeah. iPhone front-facing cameras definitely do for an upgrade, in my opinion. 
it never it never quite looks uh as good i don't know what it is it just always seems a bit more webcammy than it should really think about yeah. how crisp your new profile picture could look if you had a 24 <laughs> megapixel front-facing camera on your iphone <laughs> i think that was taken with the uh 12 megapixel iphone 14 pro camera so. yeah so that's embarrassing you should switch back to a cartoon yeah clearly clearly no like uh, the, the thing with the front cameras are they don't have flashes right so you don't get light yeah they're also generally if you're you know if you're using the rear cameras you're normally shooting out into a scene that is more lit with front cameras there's generally less light available when you're taking selfies and stuff just because of the the nature of where you're holding it and so upgrading those with bigger sensors better megapixels will generally result in better images and you know i'm not i'm not quite into this but you know clearly society at large selfies are like really really popular yeah. right so upgrading the front camera is a huge priority uh, and it has been a while since they've done that there's also been some rumors that with the um iphone 17 next year they're going to change the uh, shape of the island right which would contain the camera sensor so maybe oh, it's yeah. like a, a do it at the same you know they're getting mm-hmm. all the benefits in one go where they're doing a whole new true depth camera module which also includes an upgraded sensor for the front camera maybe there's been some rumors that next year is the one when they take the face id behind the screen making the island a bit smaller the camera would still be a, a circle but the um infrared camera hardware would be hidden beneath the screen those rooms are still very like mushy yeah clearly it's on the roadmap but we don't know exactly when uh but at the very least apple's looking to upgrade the camera hardware which is nice because it has been a while since the front camera has seen a boost with the ultra wide camera on the back which is coming to the iphone 16 pro series so not the base models just the pro and the pro max this fall that's been obviously rumored by quo this week but it's been rumored by others including uh jeff poo as in december and some other sources too seems like apple um is bringing the same kind of resolution that you have on the main camera with the iphone you know 14 and 15 Mm -hmm. uh to the ultra wide 2 with the iphone 16 I speculate that maybe one of the reasons they're doing this, as well as just making the ultra-wide camera better, because, you know, you can tell that the ultra-wide sensor is less good and takes in less light and generally more grainy when you take normal photos, but also for the upcoming Vision Pro spatial video capture, Mm -hmm. if they bring the ultra-wide up to 48 megapixels, it probably means they can make 4K output, because with the iPhone 15 Pro series, it's limited to 1080p at 30 frames a second, and I believe the main reason for that is because the way that spatial video capture works is it takes a stream from the main lens and it takes a stream from the ultra-wide lens and then it crops in on the ultra-wide lens to match the same perspective as you get from the main lens. And then the fact that the two lenses are physically apart gives you the disparity, which gives you the parallax. But obviously, if you can upgrade the ultra-wide sensor to be the same 40 megapixels, when you then crop in, the, you take the big 40 megapixel frame you crop in, you'll still have enough yeah. pixel, megapixels remaining to make a 4K video output. It's not just the sensors. You also have to you know, have the whole camera pipeline That's support yeah. shooting in like 8K resolution with the video. But if you you know take it to its natural conclusion, you can see that as being a compelling option. And that would also mean, because this is only coming to the Pro models, they could, for this full, have advertised like, every iPhone 16 can shoot spatial video. But if you have the Pro models, you can do it in 4K. I don't think that's like crazy speculation at all because it, the spatial video on the iPhone 15 Pro is great and I love that it's an option. But I took, I don't know, a decent number over like the Christmas, the holiday break. And looking back on them, even on like just my MacBook Pro screen, you can tell that it's a 1080p video, not 4K. And when you take that and you blow it up on Vision Pro, 
the impressions of the people who got to try their own spatial video on Vision Pro a couple weeks ago were good, but almost all of them pointed out that it's kind of grainy. You can, you can clearly tell that they're making some compromises just to get it to work this year. For this generation, they're definitely trying to play it as almost like that's the effect. Like it's like a Polaroid filter kind of like, right. you know, yeah. it looks more filmic because it's a bit grainier. And if you look at the way it's presented in the vision operating system, it appears in a square box. Right. And it's clearly, you know, they're, they're trying to it's like a retro. They, yeah. They're trying to not make, they're trying to not pr- um, suggest that you can like take it full screen and make it a hundred inches. What, you know, a hundred inches. Yeah. wide, like you can do with the movies and the TV app, for instance, it's meant to be like almost like Polaroid captures, and they happen to have depth in them, so like snapshots of memories. But clearly, it would be better if they could be high resolution, high quality. Some of that is obviously processing-wise, they need better processing. Some of it is just raw camera hardware sensors need to be high resolution. And f- tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we know for sure what the cameras are on the Vision Pro itself. So like no. the 1080p capture, we know is the limit for spatial video on the iPhone 15 Pro. I don't believe Apple has documented anywhere what the capture yeah. is if you take a video on the Vision Pro itself. It might be 1080p, it might be 4K already, I'm not sure. Because the other thing I noticed taking spatial videos outside is it was like 5 p.m. or something. So it was like getting dark, but not super dark. But it was throwing me up that air that says more light required. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious to see what that's like a couple of those actual videos look like on Vision Pro. Because it let me record, but it warned me that more light is necessary i guess to get the ideal output so i'm curious to try that ultimately though i do think the spatial videos that i took over christmas they're good enough and in the only thing i feel like is most people some people are going to regret not having 4k versions of those videos which again that's kind of that's hopefully what these camera changes that ming chico and others have reported on will mean is possible so you don't have to take two lots of video every single right. yep. special event. <laughs> Mark Gurman says that Apple is not expected to release an AirTag 2 until 2025. Part of his reasoning for this is that Apple retail stores and storage warehouses are still full to the brim with first-generation AirTags. Mayo, I think you texted me after this, this story came out, and I don't think you really buy into that reasoning. Well, I mean, it's a reason, but it's a reason, yeah, but not not the primary reason. Yeah, I think Apple would. I think Apple is more than willing to sell both generations of AirTags simultaneously <laughs> if they really had an inventory problem, or they can just like shovel for the inventory to third party resellers and give them a bit of a discount and get rid and get through them. Like, I could be completely off base on this, but I don't think Apple like, you know ships the air tag and they're like well we haven't sold them at the rate that we need to so we're not going to work on the second generation until the, the inventory right. is gone uh they either take a write down on it or they have ways to get rid of the stock you know that's partly why they have like the refurbished store or the secondary markets and everything and i i wouldn't even surprise me if the air tag 2 came out and they literally just sh- sold both generations side by side they're <laughs> like well you can get the base model you can get the you know air tag plus or whatever they call it with the extra functionality so uh, maybe that is the reason, but I would be surprised if it was. It, I just think that the AirTag 2 is a lower priority device, right? That yeah. They've sold decently well, I think, but they're obviously not like flying off the shelves like AirPods do. And so then they fall into the secondary bucket of product resource in terms of engineering. They're more like the AirPods Max headphones, for instance, or an external display 
in that they just have a longer cycle of lifetime. And so German here says that although maybe Apple initially considered launching AirTag 2 in 2024, it's probably not coming down to 2025, which is when they come out like 2020. So, you Something know, that's like four or that. five years. That's like a more standard um, product cycle for one of Apple's like tertiary product categories, as it were. Yeah, AirTag was 2021, April 2021. So do you remember how, okay. all, how much they were rumored before they actually came out? Mm-hmm. I forget about that. That was... I don't understand why they were rumored and seemingly done for so long until they were actually released. Yeah, I mean they. Li- that's why they. That's why I said 2020 because they leaked yeah. like March 2020. <laughs> we had loads of reports on them. There was pictures of them. You know, the Fire Network was like a thing, and then they eventually came out with the actual tags themselves a bit later on. Uh, but and I think some people said that they were delayed because they were working on the safety features, which uh, even some of those didn't come out until several months after AirTag was released. Well, yeah, there was a whole whole palaver with the first launch, wasn't it? Like, it shipped, then everyone was moaning about AirTag safety features, some of which were valid and some which weren't. And then Apple had to do that massive press release. They're like, we're doing all these extra things to help you with safety, plus releasing like an Android app to let you detect it and stuff. So it was a bit of a messy launch. But overall, I think AirTags have been received very well. They're nice little gift ideas. I think they're crazy popular. Yeah. Yeah, I think think a lot of people do have them. I have one of my keys. The battery ran out in December, immediately replaced the battery in them. I think they're good. I use it. You know, and I'd happily buy a second generation one when they come out. I don't. I'm not expecting like crazy new features. I just think they'll probably have the second generation. Mm-hmm. Don't call it a U2 U2 chip, <laughs> uh, and get more range, which would, be, which would be great to make the precision finding feature more capable. Because obviously, if you have the iPhone 15 now, you can detect the other iPhone 15 at three times the range as you used to be able to do. Uh, with precision findings so that's more like 60 meters rather than like 10 to 15 meters which is how the air tags currently work with precision finding so because it's only 10 meter range generally i just rely on the beeper to make the noise to find it yep if you had a more like 60 meter range for precision finding uh, then i'd probably use that by default so right now precision finding is like a bit of a gimmick useful in some circumstances uh, but you can see if they could bump up the range on the ultra wideband radios then it would become a lot more useful so yeah i'm looking forward to it eventually but we, it's going to be a while we've got a whole year of stuff to get through before mm-hmm. the air turks to find themselves in stores you know it's kind of a gimmick but i've actually found it useful a couple times in the past few weeks is the ios 17 feature that lets you find your apple tv remote mm. it actually it's not super helpful but it's helpful enough to where like i found myself using it have you tried it? I've tried it. It's a bit. It's definitely a bit gimmicky, and it would clearly be a lot better if the Apple TV remote just had a U1 or even a U2 chip inside. But it or just works. a thing that can make it make a noise. <laughs> oh yeah, or that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it works. Like I'm glad that it's there. Yeah. It. It's. It's basically the same technology that they did for the AirPods before AirPods had an actual yep. chip inside them. Yep. And so it's like, you know, it uses Bluetooth signal range, and it's like you're near or you're far, and as you move around, it tells you if you're getting near or getting further. In my case, when I lose the Apple TV remote, it's generally like, you know, which part of the sofa is it lost in? And so the granularity of that find feature doesn't really help because it's like, well, the whole sofa is near to. So, like, <laughs> you kind of then just have to search manually. Whereas if the if the Apple TV remote would just put a U1 chip or a beep, you know, something that can make a noise, yeah. you could find it a lot more efficiently. Fingers crossed that's what's coming to the next generation of Apple mm, TV whenever they yeah. do that because they should have done it last time and they didn't. And do you remember when the Apple TV uh, with that with that redesign remote came out? There was an interview with 
uh, the person at the time, I think his name was like Tim Twerdle, who was heading yeah. up like the home division yep. Apple. And someone asked him about the lack of a U1 chipper or a sounder. And he's like, we don't think people will lose the remote because it's bigger and thicker and, you know, it's gray <laughs> and not black. And yeah, this second generation remote is harder to lose than, you know, the original tiny black glass thing. But it still gets lost under questions and stuff. So please just put a speaker in it next time so we can find it. But yeah, the, the, the R17 feature is a decent mitigation for the meantime. But it'd be better if the remote just had a speaker in it. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh delivers fresh, high-quality, pre-portioned ingredients to your door with easy-to-follow recipe instructions so you can make delicious meals easily. Sign up now at HelloFresh.com slash happyhourfree and use promo code happyhourfree to get free breakfast for life. That's one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. Save time and hassle by skipping the grocery store with easy, tasty recipes delivered to your door thanks to HelloFresh. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted re- recipes at a price you'll like delivered to your door. And with pre-portioned ingredients, you'll never waste money on excess food. Dig into their biggest menu selection yet with over 45 weekly dinner options to choose from and even more market add-on items that suit any lifestyle. Meals arrive on the date that you specify with all the ingredients and easy-to-follow recipe cards that you need. And you can pick from their lineup of 15-minute meals for when you really want to save kitchen time and just get a tasty meal on the plate. Now, Chance, I know HelloFresh sent you some recipes to try, mm-hmm. so how did you find it? In the last batch of recipes they sent, the one that stood out was a Southwest pasta. And I think that one underscores one of my favorite things about HelloFresh, which is the sauces. They send you everything you need like to make a make a sauce for whether it's your pasta or a side sauce for chicken and you get every single ingredient you need for that sauce and directions on how to proportion those ingredients right in the box and it just tastes better than if you're using a sauce from a jar from a can for me and my wife HelloFresh is one of our favorite things to have for dinner and the versatility of the recipes is fantastic so yeah HelloFresh gets a a plus for me and my wife And they say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and HelloFresh agrees. In fact, they're giving all subscribers free breakfast for life, a totally free breakfast item with every single delivery. So go to HelloFresh.com slash happyhourfree and use promo code happyhourfree for free breakfast for life, one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash happyhourfree with promo code happyhourfree. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Thanks to HelloFresh for sponsoring the show. This week's episode of Happy Hour is also brought to you by Collide. Check them out at collide.com slash happy hour. What do you call an endpoint security product that works perfectly but makes users miserable? A failure. The old approach to endpoint security is to lock down employee devices and roll out changes through forced restarts, but it just doesn't work. IT is miserable because they've got a mountain of support tickets, employees start using personal devices just to get their work done, and executives opt out the first time it makes them late for a meeting. You can't have a successful security implementation unless you work with end users. And that's where Collide comes in. Their user-first device trust solution notifies users as soon as it detects an issue on the device and teaches them how to solve it without needing help from the IT department. That way, untrusted devices are blocked from authenticating, but users don't stay blocked. Collide is designed for companies with Okta and it works on macOS, Windows, Linux and mobile devices. So if you have Okta and you're looking for a device trust solution that respects your team, visit collide.com slash happy hour to watch a demo and see how it works. That's spelled K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash happy hour. 
Thanks to Collide for sponsoring the show. So when Apple said early 2024 for Vision Pro, they weren't lying. Pre-orders for Vision Pro will begin on Friday, January 19th at 5 a.m. Pacific time. And Vision Pro will be available beginning Friday, February 2nd. Apple says this includes all Apple Store locations in the United States, and customers will be able to order from Apple's online store. Pricing is $3,500, and Apple says that's for 256 gigabytes of storage. There are also some details on lens pricing. So Zeiss optical inserts will be available with readers for $99 and prescription versions for $149. Just an aside on that, I think that's significantly cheaper than what we were expecting, yeah? I think so, yeah. The Zeiss lenses online, you can they can easily be like $300, $400. So $149, $99, that's pretty good. So that was kind of like a, a big positive. Uh, the negative, obviously, was that it's 256 gigabytes base storage, which seems a bit harsh uh, for a three and a half grand device. Uh, I was kind of anticipating 512 base, but it's actually 256. And you say base storage. We don't really know if higher storage tiers will be available. They haven't said. That is true. We've seen evidence. I've heard from some people who have dev kits that they have 512 gigabytes of storage. There was a report last year that said some dev kits have a terabyte of storage. So theoretically, that means you'll be able to configure with 256, 512, or one terabyte. But Apple has said nothing. All they've said is 3499 gets you 256 gigabytes. The wording of the of the press release does say Vision Pro will be available starting at 3499 when 256 gigabytes of storage, which does imply upsell of something right so well, what else are you gonna... is the lenses is it because that's like a separate bullet point on this new yeah. on this press release like i kind of feel like it's written as in you can buy a vision pro configuration with other bits for more money but this is one place where i would say the the press release is lacking in detail <laughs> because it doesn't actually say which is a bit odd uh i can't imagine they're going to bring this device out and only give people a 256 gigabyte option that seems pretty punitive like if you ignore not not like on the one hand it's punitive and it's expensive but i also mean punitive is in terms of usability like they're there this is meant to be a replacement for your computer right you can do all your computer things on it you can do your ipad things on it they're not going to give you a storage option that lets you have that on there like they want you to go on planes with it and have like movie collections that you watch on on the road and stuff so i feel like offline storage is somewhat important there and you know, you can buy iPads with two terabytes of storage. And yeah. It seems a bit crazy that they're going to launch a Vision Pro headset and only have 256. It can't be the most complicated thing in the world for them to manufacture higher storage options and they get some extra money out of it. Like, I'd be surprised if there's not... Even if it's not like... Maybe it's not at launch, but maybe coming soon they'll have alternative storage sizes available going up to like 390, 399 for like a terabyte or whatever. Yeah. And speaking of the video thing, too, one of the small changes Apple made to its website this week says Vision Pro will last up to two and a half hours for video playback. Previously, all they said was two hours, and now it's two hours for, quote, general use and 2.5 hours for video playback. Yeah, 2D video playback. That's true. 2D. Yeah, 2D. Yeah. But still, that's a good, that's a notable change. It kind of gets you over the hump of being able to watch a full movie that's there's a lot of movies fall between that two and two and a half hour mark yeah. in terms of length. It, encapsul it definitely encapsulates a lot more films overall uh, than. But again, if you're 
you know they're gonna they they want you to watch like 3d stuff so then yeah it's gonna, the, the times will drop down the 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 exact battery life stats is something we'll only know for sure when people start getting them because you know apple had i would say pessimistic ratings for the original apple watch when they said 18 hours and that kind of made people some people nervous that it was going to die or whatever and then most people get you know we're getting a day or whatever um depending on which workouts you do and stuff so we won't know for sure on battery life until it arrives but clearly you know most average movies you'll be able to get through in one charge but the the example they used at WWC was Avatar: The Way of Water. That's a three hour film, probably not in three D. In three D, that's probably yeah. not that's probably not gonna gonna make the cut here. So in the Vision Pro box, you get a pretty nice handful of accessories. So here's just here's everything you get in the box. Then we'll dive into each of them. Mm-hmm. Solo knit band and the dual loop band, a light seal, two light seal cushions, a Vision Pro cover for the front of the device, a polishing cloth. Obviously, the battery, a USB-C charge cable, and a USB-C power adapter. The most interesting thing here is the fact that you get the Solo Knit Band. That's the one they showed in most or pretty much all of the marketing images for Vision Pro. That's the one that wraps just around the back of your head. Back of your head. And then the yeah, dual the big loop, single yeah. support. And the dual loop band is. Had we? I don't think we'd seen this design no, until this week. No. The there were because the top strap that has been talked about for so many months was previously pictured with the solo knit band. So like there yeah. was one photo, you know, the guy who's take the everyone, everyone joked about because he was taking the spatial yep. video with his kids. There was a one picture of that model wearing a Vision Pro and it had the solo knit band, but it also had a single top strap connected to it. But what Apple's shipping in the box based on the press release is you get either you get both the solo knit band and you get this separate band which is called the dual loop and that's pictured for the first time in the press release which is like two smaller straps one is a top strap and one goes around the back and um, it's unclear if that configuration that was previously shown where you have the solo knit band and then a top strap as well which i believe is what you had on when you tried it yes, back at wwdc I'm pretty sure whether that's available separately or whether that's just possible by taking one of the dual loop bands and slapping it on a steel <laughs> on, a, on a solo knit band it's unclear to me what the attachments are like how does it actually fit together so maybe that's possible maybe it's not uh, but at least right now is you've got the solo knit band which is the one that apple keeps showing most of the market images because frankly it looks the best uh, but the one that clearly is there in case you, you, you feeling the weight is a dual band design where one goes over the top one goes over the back uh, it is nice that both are included in the box at no additional charge yes. The solo knit band is obviously the more design-friendly, ideal solution. The dual-loop band kind of looks like a hodgepodge of just two Apple Watch bands strapped to the top and the back of your head. I'd be curious to see the breakdown of how many people choose the dual-loop band versus the solo knit band. In terms of comfort and it being such a front-heavy device, I think the dual-loop band will be the way most people go, but we'll see. The light seal, then two light seal cushions. That's interesting. I assume that's like a... You're wearing something on your face. You're gonna get. It's gonna get a little dirty over time. So you have two light seal cushions if you want to switch them out. Yeah, the light seal is like the big bit that between the actual device yeah. and your face. The cushions are like the dark gray bit that fits directly on your skin. So I guess that's if you do sweat or whatever over time, you can change them and then eventually buy new ones. Similar to like AirPods Max ear cushions, right? Yep. Like that kind of that kind of deal. Vision Pro cover for the front of the device. This makes sense, kind of just a way to protect it if you're traveling with it. Still don't recommend just throwing a Vision Pro in your backpack and calling it a day, but it's nice that you have this option. 
yeah, they don't have a picture of this, but it did sh- it did leak in a, like a design pattern filing. Yeah, uh, it's basically just a quite simple cover that just protects the front glass essentially. Polishing cloth. I assume this is going to be the same well reviewed, revered polishing cloth that you get. Well, you got it first. It was with the Pro Display XDR. Then they started selling it separately. Great polishing cloth. Cool, you get it in the box. And if you for- go back in history. Not the polishing cloth, but a polishing cloth was included with MacBooks back in the day. Oh, yeah. Like, you go back far enough, you get a black um, microfiber cloth with uh, MacBooks. And I believe, and I'm going to kick myself for not looking this up, the original iPhone came with a polishing cloth in the box. I think you're right. The original iPhone yeah, it, came with a few different things in the box. It came with a dock. Yeah, this is going to be my parallel, right? The yeah. original iPhone, it had a dock in it. It had a polishing cloth. You know, it had the thing itself. And here's the Vision Pro, the first, you know, the new era. And this has got a load of stuff in it. So it'll be interesting if in future generations, whether all of these things uh, stay around as inbox items, like maybe they find out that nobody uses a Sonic band and everybody uses a Julep band. And then in future generations, the Sonic band goes away or doesn't, you know, isn't included in the box anymore, for instance. Uh, but at least for this version, they're kind of going all out and just giving you stuff. Then you got the battery, the charge cable, and the power adapter, which maybe in a few years you won't even get the, that power adapter in the box. Who knows? But Okay, here's the question mark, though. Yes. What size? Because this press release, which is ostensibly about telling people how they're ready to pre-order it, right? Mm-hmm. Coming on January 19th. There is no description of how you know which one you're meant to order, what, what size options are available, yeah how you can get sized you're allowed to order it online but how do you know which one to buy in terms of the sizing of the cushions and stuff no details whatsoever which i thought was a bit weird because at wwdc for the demos you scanned your face and your head size using an app on one of the apple employees iphones is that what you're going to do when you go through the pre-order process or maybe they're going to open up the sizing tool like today or this week or early next week so people can prepare and have like their measurements before pre-orders begin on Friday the 19th. Same for the prescriptions, right? Like if, yeah. I, if I was wanting to be a day one buyer of this thing, I'd be like, you know, I've got my pres- prescription from my um, optician, but is that going to be, is that what I need to type into the yeah. website? Like, what do I do? Like, I, f- I feel like as a press release getting people ready to buy it, it emits some key information. <laughs> I think we're going to get more at some point. I think we have to get more at some point. Yeah, there seem to be slight uh, some some details here that I would be wanting to know if I was wanting to get this for day one delivery. There's also the entire content side of things too. Apple's the press release said games from the App Store, Apple Arcade games, and then a few spatial games, which I don't think we'd heard the term spatial games before. And then 150 3D movies in the Apple TV App Store, and that's all. Yeah, this it like. Do you think we're going to get something else like next week in terms of like a I think so. video or a press, you know, more like, because this is a weird press release if this is all they're going to do for the launch of this brand new operating system platform product, you know, like. If this is all they do, then they're setting themselves and or a lot of people up for failure come January 19th. Yes. If you don't let people prepare ahead of time, especially for things like sizing, you're going to have a whole lot of people rushing through the pre-order process getting the wrong size or guesstimating or whatever it takes to get one on day one. Yeah, people can be mad. But I also mean just in terms of like, I was surprised that they didn't have some 
examples of some stuff that they've been working on with developers yeah. for the last few months. Like this press release is weird in that all of the screenshots and clips, like it's got video clips in it, but they're all from WWDC. Like it's the same models, the same segments. It's like all stuff you've seen before. Like it's a bit weird that it's not like a video that has examples of here's what we know is coming at launch from Fantastical or, you know, Widgetsmith or, you know, some names and other application developers that we've been working with over the last few months. It's literally the exact same demos. The App Store is the exact same, like, stock image they had from WWDC. It's kind of weird. They call out um, the Apple Arcade spatial games, Game Room, What the Golf, and Super Fruit Ninja. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but then they also mention, you know, like, the rest of Apple Arcade, which is just the same catalogue that you have right now. And then they say... The 153D movies from the TV app, right? That that's the tr that's the classic Hollywood 3D movies that you get with like Blu-rays or whatever, mm -hmm. which we've spoke about on the show before, right? Because it leaked a couple of months ago in the betas. Um, but they, this is the line that gets me. Vision Pro also introduces Apple Immersive Video, a remarkable new entertainment format pioneered by Apple that puts users inside the action with 180 degree three-dimensional 8K recordings captured with spatial audio. Introduces. How exactly? Because they obviously use, they obviously announced the immersive video format at WWDC with no other information. You saw a very short like demo reel, right, of a yes. immersive video because that was the one with the rhinos and the tightrope and Alicia Keys in the recording studio, which was what like five minutes maximum footage that yeah. they'd taken. And it was the basketball game and the baseball game. It was the sports aspect of it too. The sports too, right? But so far there is zero announcements about whether they have any partners on board to actually make an immersive video content, what immersive video file format is, how big it is, what can people do if they want to make it themselves. Like, it's completely proprietary and completely opaque. Like, Vision Pro introduces it, but where can you play any of it? Does any of it exist? Like, is something going to exist? It's very bizarre and, and like... I wasn't expecting uh, loads of stuff, but I thought they'd have, like, one. It'd be like, and here's yeah. this movie, or here's this something, or here's this, you know, the first MLS sports game, and we're going to record an immersive video and let you see it or something. But this press release is literally the same lack of detail that they had at WWC. Like, they haven't arranged anything in <laughs> nine months, you know? It's a bit <laughs> odd. A bit odd. They also said the Persona feature of Vision Pro will be considered a beta when Vision Pro launches, this makes sense. I think Persona was, for me, Persona was the least impressive part of my Vision Pro demo at WWDC. This is the feature that recreates your face and your your head on FaceTime calls and Zoom calls and WebEx calls because you're wearing the headset. So obviously the other people on the call can't see you. So the Persona is meant to represent you. During my demo, the Persona was, at first glance, it was cool and hard to tell but once the person on the other end of the facetime call started talking particularly like around their mouth you could tell that it was a digital rendering that wasn't quite perfect but i i have no doubt that apple's made a ton of improvements to persona since wwdc and, and it is not unprecedented for hardware to launch with a like beta software no, feature no like i oh the the Vision Pro hate crowd jumped on this when you posted this story. There were loads of people like, well, look at this thing. It's so rubbish. They can't even get Persona stories. It's like, I'll, I'll give you a, a good example. iPhone 4S, right? Basically, its only feature was Siri. Siri launched in beta. Like, it just did. Siri's still in beta. <laughs> you could argue it's still in beta. 
another more recent example if you want one is like the iPhone 7 Plus portrait mode that launched in beta and yeah. it didn't even launch at launch. It was like a month later. So like, you know, Apple's not perfect here. They always have stuff come out like this. The Persona thing is a, even if you didn't label it beta, it's not like it's going to stay the same forever. Making stuff that looks more human, like resembling a human form is an ongoing continuous process because it's very, 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 very hard to break through the Uncali Valley. So whether they label it a beta or not, they're always going to keep working on the feature that makes an authentic spatial representation of you. So at least they're being honest about it in the same. Yeah, setting expectations. We know we can even make it better still. Yeah. Apple also says that starting on February 2nd at 8 a.m., which is launch day, Apple retail stores will offer Vision Pro demos. They say that demos will be available that Friday through the weekend on a first-come, first-served basis, and you can sign up starting at 8 a.m. on February 2nd. This language kind of makes it seem like they'll only be available through that weekend. I assume you'll be able to walk in and get a Vision Pro demo whenever you want. This is just them hyping up the first launch weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was surprised that it's available at all retail stores. I wasn't necessarily expecting really? that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, some products are, you know, online only, but I guess with fit and stuff, like... I'm more surprised that it's available online. Well, okay, but we still don't know much about how that process is going to work. You still might have yeah, to I mean, pick right. it up at a store. You take your guess. You just roll the roulette wheel of sizes <laughs> and you pick one and then it arrives at your home. And I guess if it's wrong, you can you can return it. But... You remember when they launched this, the solo loop bands during mm-hmm. like the height of COVID? And people they suggested people like print out that piece of paper and measure their wrist. Then John Gruber came up with the system to convert which hole on a standard sport band you use to what size solo loop that would be. I remember that being kind of chaotic and Vision Pro is like that times infinity in terms of sizing and how important the sizing is. Yeah. I I hope there's a follow-up news press release next week before January the 19th that has a bit more clarity on this stuff and hopefully also has some like just more demos of what you can do with the device, you know, like just... Show me this again. Show you know. Show me how this works. Show me some apps from the from that you've been that are going to be there on launch day and stuff. Like, I think it's fair enough that they're not doing a whole like you know, um, charade of media event. You know, bring everybody in, do a big keynote for it. Like, it is a Vision Pro, you know, niche product. If we talked about it so many times before, so doing it just by like press releases and online stuff is fine. But you do at least need to give me full information about this product that I'm ostensibly would buy i.e you know what kind of prescriptions works what information do i need to tell you when i log in at 5 a.m to buy it (laughs) what sizing exists you know like just give me some videos give me some more information like please you know (laughs) if it's just this one press release and and it's it's radio silence until the 19th of january that'd be pretty stupid but i have to believe that apple will uh have something else because even like even ignoring all the lack of detail it just feels a bit cheap that all of the screenshots and video clips are literally what they did at WWC. Like, yeah, almost like they didn't commission making some more, you know, like that can't be true, but that's just how it comes across as of that press release. You're going to jinx it. Now there's going to be a huge press release with a bunch of details before this episode goes up later today. But I hope <laughs> even, that's the case. Even I the hope. homepage, even the homepage is identical, right? Yeah. It's the same model, the same picture of the woman uh, with the same formatting of the title and the text, apart from it just says now available starting 2-2 rather than available early 2024. Like it's identical to what they had <laughs> on the day after WWDC. Come on, Apple. And one of the, the narratives or the arguments some people have had is they publish this press release 
a little bit early, maybe, just to steal some of the thunder from CES, which is going on this week. I don't know if people inside Apple really think twice about CES nowadays, but it is one of the potential arguments. They had nine months to record new videos. I don't that think it mattered when, that, they, when yeah. they announced it this week or next <laughs> week. <laughs> they that probably have recorded new videos. It's just for whatever reason, this press release doesn't use them. It just uses the same assets that they used before. One of the videos they did release was, I think it's the ver- first Vision Pro television ad. They called it Get Ready. Mm. And it's a play on the original iPhone event or the original iPhone TV ad, which was... Hello. Yeah, people. it's people in movies and TV shows over the years. In the iPhone ad, they were answering the phone. And in Vision Pro ad, they're like putting things on their face. And then it transitions to somebody putting Vision Pro on their head. A little bit of an awkward... The narrative there is not quite as clear as it was in the Hello iPhone ad. But still, it's pretty cool. It's cool to see the throwback and to see the incorporation of all the different movies, including the best movie of all time, Back to the Future. Yeah, it's... That ad, you can interpret charitably, you can interpret negatively. I saw some people are like, it's a weird thing for Apple to be like showing all these awkward, ugly headsets in movies and then <laughs> paralleling it to their own awkward, ugly headset. I think it's kind of fun, though. It's like, I think it's a great This ad. is the future. Yeah. Let's go. Again, I was slightly let down that the actual two-second clip at the end of the Vision Pro is the same cut out from WWDC video, the same woman, you know, putting on the same thing with the same uh, home screen. Like, they could have done something a bit more fancy there. Also, uh, it does seem like that ad is more suited to, like, a teaser. I looked, after it came out, I looked up when the Hello iPhone ad came out, and the timing is more what I would expected. So the iPhone ad, obviously the iPhone was announced at Macworld in January 2007, right? Yeah. The Hello ad, which is like a teaser came out February 2007. The iPhone didn't ship until June, oh, July, yeah. right? This time around, the same kind of equivalent teaser ad comes out a week before pre-orders. Uh, so, again, I'm not going to like nail them to the to the floor, but you need some other ads or need some other videos to go along with it, right? This is still yeah. like what you'd... That kind of get ready ad is what they'd release like, I don't know, like last September. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Rather than like the pre-order day. Uh, so it's a bit of a weird rollout, but... Uh, it's cool. I'm excited. Our next episode will be basically when pre-orders are happening. So uh, it's all all action stations for Vision Pro. The era of spatial computing. Don't call it an augmented reality headset. Don't call it a virtual reality headset as Apple's developer documentation now prescribes. I am still planning to pre-order one. I do have a slight problem though where I'm going to be on a plane on my way back from an event on that Friday. I'm literally going to be in the air when pre-orders open. And worst of all, I think it's going to be towards the end of the flight, so we'll probably be descending. <laughs> probably have to have laptops put away. That's usually when Wi-Fi kind of dies. So I'm a little bit nervous. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to kind of just give them my credit card information and tell them to go through the process, if they can, if if they make let me size myself beforehand. Do you wear glasses? I can't remember. Uh, contacts, so I'm good. I don't need the prescription lenses. You don't need the prescriptions, okay. Okay. So at least that's one thing you have to worry about. I'm going to be on the plane, like, scanning my face, measuring my head. All yeah, take, take a tape measure with you so you can measure <laughs> your forehead if, if, if needed. Yeah. Now, fingers crossed they will let you prepare for Vision Pro pre-orders sometime yeah. next week with, like, a full document on this is what you need to be able to buy something. Or even this is where you go to book a slot to get an yeah. in-store demo, you know. Because uh, right now, those kind of inf- critical pieces of information are a bit thin on the ground. And just to wrap this up for now, 
they didn't say a word about international availability. Uh, they previously said no. coming later in 2024. Mark Gurman in the newsletter um, kind of referenced that it's probably going to be sooner rather later coming to countries like China and the UK. So it may be coming to my shores sooner than maybe originally thought. So rather like the end of the year, maybe like a couple of months down the line. Not that uh, it matters because you're not going to buy one. No, correct. Maybe I'll go and get a demo at Apple Store though. Yeah, that'd be fun. It depends. I'm waiting to see. Yeah, I mean, luckily I don't have to worry about launch day because it's yeah in the country. Uh, if the demos you get in Apple stores are like good, you know, like half an hour, an hour, like solid, solid demos, then yeah, I'll, I'll make the trek and go and do it. But if it's just like you get to fit it and you get like two minutes and it's like, why bother, you know? But uh, I'm excited to try it for sure. Uh, and I can't wait to hear about all your pre-ordering hell and launch receiving <laughs> and everything like you know you're, you're pre-ordering journey 19th we'll only have like one episode and then it'll be released on yeah. february the second so it's coming up very very quickly so it's very 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 exciting for the era of special computing at least the first version of it from apple incorporated finally this week happy hour is brought to you by linkedin jobs it's the start of the new year and every small business owner is asking themselves what's the one move they can make to take their business to the next level in 2024 and linkedin jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with linkedin jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free we all know that behind every great business is great people and as you're growing your team it's so important to have high quality candidates to interview so you know who you're ultimately hiring the best person for the job. And LinkedIn makes it so easy to find them. LinkedIn isn't just another job board, it is ubiquitous and the place you want to be for your job to be seen with a vast network of more than a billion professionals. I know when my brother was looking for work last year, LinkedIn is the first place that he went to to find a job. It's quite simply the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates available. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and always stretch for time and resources. But the hiring process with LinkedIn is intuitive, quick and easy. Anyone can do it, even in a pinch. Find the right team member to accelerate your business's growth and achieve your goals this year. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring the show. In far, far, far less exciting news. <laughs> Back down to reality. Yeah. The New York Times reports that the United States Department of Justice has reached the, quote, late stages of its monopoly investigation of Apple. That report says that the Justice Department is aiming to file its sweeping antitrust case during the first half of 2024. I don't, it's the same thing we've heard a million different times. They're looking at things like iMessage, payment, uh, payment services, Apple Pay, all of that. One thing I found interesting is they're looking at how the Apple Watch works better mm. with the iPhone than with other brands, which is like, duh, obviously. The iPhone and the Apple Watch are made to work together. That That, that is a duh, but there's also like, um, you know, like the bundling anti-competitive argument that yeah. like screwed Microsoft back in the day with Internet That's Explorer. True. Like, you know, Windows was so dominant that the US department sued them for basically inflating the significance of internet explorer and office because they had the predominant operating system in windows and so far apple has kind of dodged those lines of argument but it seems like in this uh, report the u.s is specifically interested in the apple watch and also iMessage, of course uh, but it would be interesting if one of the outcomes of 
a, a justice action was that Apple was finally forced to like make Apple Watch work with Android. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I honestly don't think it'd be that bad. Like I think they could almost, you know, it's like a good thing. Like the, you know, you can still make like you can make it work best with the iPhone, right? Because that's where you've got your opportunities for integration and cross pollination and you know, literally the same software running at the bottom of the stack. But there's a whole world of uh, customers you can maybe unlock to get an Apple Watch. And you could put, like, the fitness app on there. You could sell Fitness Plus to Android customers. Like, it's not necessarily the worst uh, enforcement action they would ever be they would ever be seen. The more dangerous thing financially is, of course, all the App Store stuff, right? Uh, which, still, which still continues to percolate and somewhat get to a situation very, very soon. Uh, but we'll see um, how that plays out. This investigation is also said to encompass areas like not allowing cloud gaming services the integration of air tags with the iphone uh, and i miss it exclusivity so we're definitely no we're definitely not out of the woods yet when it comes to anti it comes to like uh, government action against apple the eu cases keep piling up and now the us cases seem to be catching up with what the eu's been doing too the thing about the apple watch on android too is remember that bloomberg report from a few months ago where mark german said as much that apple had considered like properly making the apple watch work with android back in like 2014 and ultimately they abandoned those plans but it's not necessarily something they're opposed to i suppose so we'll see about that one of the reports too on the u.s antitrust investigation is that they're kind of waiting in the wings to see how apple ultimately responds to and complies with some of the stuff going on in the european union the digital markets act stuff yeah yeah which is an interesting strategy it's very very a very american strategy i mean i don't think it's that stupid like no no it's not stupid but you could almost like see, basically see how Apple um, skirts the, yeah. <laughs> the the meaning of the laws of the Europe and uh, implements it. And then if you think that they are being too um, slimy, then you can write your laws to be a bit more prescriptive. <laughs> like, not the worst idea in the world to see. Like, like let's say you know the EU digital market obviously comes into force this year. Apple is going to have to comply with the App Store in some terms, but. Maybe they do something or maybe they, you know, enforce their 30% commission. And then the United States Department of Justice is like, that doesn't seem very fair. Then at least they can write their laws uh, instead of, like, I feel like it's easier to write a law for the first time than it is to revise one that was already made, you know. So in some ways, waiting on the sidelines to see what the EU does first before going in uh, makes some sense. It makes sense. It just doesn't bode well for their goal of hoping to file this lawsuit in the first half of the year. True. Especially with how slow they've moved so far. That is true. But yeah, I think the Digital Markets Act comes into effect in like the spring. So April, I think, is the current date. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be iOS 17.4 or 17.5 kind of time frame. What did we see this week where Apple filed something with the EU where their argument was that it has five different app stores, not such not just one. So the app store itself can't be considered a platform. I can see the argument they're making here, but I don't think it changes anything. Even if they, even if the EU were to unbundle Apple's five different app stores, which is what the iPhone app store, the iPad app store, the Mac app store, the watch app store, and the tvOS app store, there's not a world in which the iPhone app store is not big enough on its own to be a quote-unquote platform. A very weird argument. I guess lawyers do lawyery things. They're like, well, if we if we try this, at least maybe we can exclude everything but the iPhone, you know. From, <laughs> uh, but they. Lawyers try whatever they can do, you know. The 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 prosecutors bring out every legal argument they can, and then def- the defense bring out every argument they can. This is obviously stupid, but it's clearly some lawyer thought somewhere that it might 
might work. So here they are. And maybe in Europe, in some area, if they count them separately, the iPhone doesn't cross the number, the magic threshold that it needs, and then they'd be scot free. But they just throw out where they throw whatever ammunition they can to see what sticks. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Practically, I think the iOS App Store is going to come under the rules because it's huge. And finally this week, Mayo, we have some Apple TV news that you want to share with us, starting with Killers of the Flower Moon. It's finally coming to streaming, so that's Apple TV Plus. That's on Friday, right? That's on Friday, yeah. Finally, the film that began Apple's new original strategy of arriving in theaters first with a wide cinema run is now available for TV Plus subscribers for free. It launched in theaters in October. It did about $150 million in box office, uh, which is significantly less than its two hundred fifty to three hundred million dollar uh, budget to make, uh, but you know, luckily for Apple, the raw money doesn't matter too much. Although obviously they would like bigger success as possible, but one hundred fifty million for a film like that is not too not too shabby. And then that so it finished its kind of main theatrical run in like December, uh, and then the surprise was they did that, which we did discuss the 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 P-Vod window right with buying and renting. And so it was buying and renting exclusive for a month, for about a month, and now it'll finally be available to TV Plus subscribers uh, beginning January 12th. The theatrical part, I think, was a huge success. It re- raised awareness for the film way beyond than if it had just launched directly on the streaming, on Apple streaming directly. Uh, it obviously also gets them nice, um, nice and cozy with Hollywood and people like them and, you know, it, it improves their Oscar chances and stuff. Uh, but also, I think just more people saw the film than would have if it had just gone to stream directly because it gave the marketing of the box office. Like, the cinema still holds some prestige there. So I think that part makes sense. The 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 buying and renting window is still kind of... I don't really get that part. Like, I don't think it's a terrible option for it to be available to buy and rent, but it's weird that they give it exclusively to buy and rent first before being available on streaming. I don't know why it's not simultaneous there. Like, how much money is Apple really making from a month exclusive... Uh, uh, you know like 10 million dollars like are they really gonna do this for every film for like you know one 10 million dollar income from rentals i don't know it's weird i think they should put it on streaming at the same time they put it on rental or whatever but it was a 20 dollar rental wasn't it yeah 20 dollar rental 25 dollar purchase that's that's the normal going rate for premium vod obviously in a few months it will go down to the normal vod rates uh, but they that seems to be their strategy for now. So that's what they're doing with Killers of the Flower Moon. And Napoleon, literally this week, also uh, went to its second window, i.e. is now available for buy and rent at iTunes Store, Amazon, and everywhere else. Um, so they're going for it. I think part of that strategy makes sense and was successful. I don't know about the VOD window. We'll see how well it does on streaming. That's the ultimate test, right? Does it ultimately benefit Apple more to do this longer theatrical run first? Uh, so that when it does arrive on streaming, it makes a bigger splash and they get subscribers and they get attention. Because um, most of Apple original films come out on streaming exclusively before to not very much buzz. But I think Killers of the Flower Moon has a pretty good shot because so many people were anticipating it from the theatre run. So we will literally find out from Friday how well that, that went. And then one final thing in the TV department that I just wanted to mention, which I thought was hilarious. Um, Apple and social media... They never quite fully get along, you know? Like, they always muck it up a little bit. A, a running gag for me has been, like, the Apple TV Twitter account for so long. It makes... It, it, it pre-writes all its tweets and, it, like, schedules them. 
but it makes like random errors. It says streaming now when the show they're promoting isn't coming out for another two weeks. They like then the amount of times I've seen the Apple TV Twitter account delete and repost stuff is ridiculous. But this uh, this commentary this week is about their YouTube channel. So I don't know if you knew this chance, but the Apple TV YouTube account has basically exclusively promoted TV Plus stuff since 2019, right? With trailers and behind the scenes and some, and some extra materials like that. But every single video they put out, they turned off the comments. Mm. Which that's what they do on their main YouTube video, YouTube channel too. Yeah, just like their main channel, right? But it's kind of weird because like any other trailers that you see on YouTube, it has the comments section open, right? So you can just comment to your heart's content. For whatever reason, Apple refused to do it. So for four years, They've paid for, you know, promoted YouTube stuff. They got millions of racked up millions of views on these trailers. Comments box completely disabled. About a month before Christmas, they started experimenting. So they would, um, a couple of the videos had the comments box enabled. And people would be like, wow, Apple's enabled comments. A thousand comments, everyone's, everyone's good. They did it with like the original Master of the Air trailer and stuff. And then they stopped doing it again. And then over Christmas... Someone obviously had a massive change of heart. They've opened <laughs> up the comments on every single video in going back to the beginning of the channel. So now you're in a funny state of affairs where they have like a $30 million, tra- 30 million view trailer from like four years ago that has That's zero different. comments. <laughs> yeah, it's just a funny state of affairs. And then you've got a few that now have like five or seven to ten comments, you know, half of comments. And most of those comments are fake views. Why does this video only have two comments? <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Come on, Apple. Like, did you not see that? I knew that was going to happen, and here we go, it did. What they should have done most sensibly is just leave all the old videos with the comments box disabled and only done it going forward. But they never quite get social media right, so they're in this funny state of affairs now where you can find literally, like, 20, 30, 40 million million view videos that have, like, 10 comments on them just because of Apple's random change of heart. But I think it makes sense to enable comments going forward. So at least for all new videos, people can comment on the trailers to their heart's content. Have you published any comments yet or done your Apple TV customer support on YouTube yet? On YouTube? No, I haven't. No. All right. I think that does it for this week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can leave a rating and a review and find an ad-free version of the show for $5 a month or $50 a year. Send us feedback, happy hour at 9to5mac.com. I am on all of the great social networks at Chance H. Miller. And Mayo, what about you? I am at BZA Mayo. All right. Thanks, Mayo. Bye-bye.